Hey, Pioneers, welcome to episode number 309. Today's episode, we are going to be talking about pricing, how to know how to price appropriately and actually earn a good income from either your homestead through selling products, maybe that you're creating off of your homestead or your homesteading skills. This episode is a gold mine of information. If you are planning on starting a homestead business in any way, shape or fashion, and honestly, it doesn't actually have to be just from your homestead, but I know most of you are practicing homestead or wanting to practicing homestead on some level And your goal would be to earn an income from home and off of your homestead in some fashion. But really, a lot of what we're going to be talking about today pertains to any business or any entrepreneur. So it is really, really good. I hope that you enjoy it. And we get to welcome back one of my favorite guests and people for today's episode. Now, on this episode, If you want to sign up for a free challenge, this is the first time, you guys, that I have ever publicly done business coaching as well as business training and teaching. Even though I have been running a blog and doing social media and that type of stuff since November of 2011, so that's quite a while, almost 11 years now, I really didn't start running a business, not in the true sense of the word where it was really earning an income until March of 2016. And so I have had business conversations and I've actually coached people uh, privately doing business stuff, but it's the first time I've really brought it front and center here onto the podcast and have ever run a free type of thing that's really business focused. So for those of you who are interested and being able to make money from your homestead in one fashion or another, you are going to love today's episode. And I hope that you sign up at melissaknorris.com forward slash business challenge, melissaknorris.com forward slash business challenge, and join us for this completely free challenge. But for now, I can't wait to introduce you to, again, if you didn't get to hear her in a previous episode or you're not already familiar with and following her online. Very, very dear friend of mine and of all trades. Hey, Pioneers. Well, I am really excited to bring you on to this episode because Anne, which you have heard before, I have had the lovely Anne on the Pioneering Today podcast before, but Anne and I are actually working on a project together, which you are going to be hearing more about and actually getting an invite to. But we were talking about things and we were like, hold up, let's just stop and let's jump on a call and actually record this and share this with people because this is actually very valuable information and it shouldn't be just between the two of us. So that is how this conversation came to be. And Anne, welcome back to the podcast and listeners, welcome in to this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I absolutely love talking to you about all things business and everything because you, A, are a wealth of knowledge, but we have so much in common uh, along this process. So I am really excited to have this conversation because 
in all the private co- coaching that I've done for people with with growing their businesses, this is a topic that is comes up a lot. So yes. I think it's great that we get to share it. Me too. And yes, I thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoy you. We are very kindred spirits, which you guys are kind of like, okay, well, what are we talking about? So <laughs> it's pricing, which it's amazing because we buy stuff all the time. I mean, all of us are always buying things at one point or another, but I feel like even as business people, very rarely do we sit down and really think about pricing both strategically and in detail and really giving it the full attention that we should. And I don't know about you, Anne, but for me, I really struggled with pricing stuff and the price of things for a very long time. And this was actually way before I even came into business, but even in the beginning of my business. And I think part of the reason for that is, and I would say a lot of homesteaders in general are probably this way, or maybe it's just when you're younger in life. I don't know. But I came from a very frugal background. Uh, We never went without food. Like I never went hungry. We always had a roof over our head. I always had clothes. They weren't the designer clothes that I necessarily wanted or the brand clothes that I wanted as a younger child or even a teenager. Um, But to say I never went truly without. However, there was not extra funds to do certain things. And like when I was little, we would go to town and my mom would pack our lunch because we didn't have enough money to go through a drive through, Um, which now looking back like hallelujah, we didn't go through McDonald's when I was little very often, which is really a benefit to my health now. But back then, you know, it was very different from what I would experience when I was at friends' houses and in a lot of instances and, and would go with them. And so that really stuck with me. And then as a young married person, it was the same thing. We didn't have a lot of extra money when my husband and I first got married. And so, and coming from the childhood upbringing that I had, you were always looking for the cheapest thing and the best bargain. And mm-hmm. so that really sucked me. It was always the, the rock bottom price, the lowest price. However, and it sometimes a budget demands that. I, I'm not trying to discount yeah. that. But over time, and my husband was always like, the, not the complete opposite, but he was like, the cheapest is not always the best. But that was really hard for me to truly grasp and understand until enough time had went on. Wisdom and time are great teachers. Um, mm-hmm. And I realized like, okay, we're buying the cheapest thing. And it's breaking every year. It'll only last a year because it is made so cheaply. And I've bought the same cheap thing for three years in a row because it keeps breaking. If I had actually bought the first thing and it was the more expensive model that was quality and would have lasted, I actually would have saved myself money over the long run. Um, So anyways, I share that story because that was a mindset that I've really struggled to get over, but honestly held me back in not just business, but also in life and actually made me waste money in some aspects. Absolutely. Yeah. Coming from um, a scarce background or a background with scarce resources, like psychologically speaking, it is very easy to fall into the mindset of it's cheap yet replaceable because cheap is the only option that you have. Um, I grew up very similarly. My family did not have any money um, of which to speak. Also, funnily, we every time Melissa and I talk, we find other things that we have in common. I had never had Um, processed food until I was like in college. I had my first Big Mac when I was living in Asia. And yeah, just funny, funny little crossovers there, but literally for the exact same reason. And my dad is is the same way. And it's been so funny as an adult who uh, I didn't grow up around tools, but now I use them as part of my living. 
Um, but my dad, when I was a kid, would always buy a new drill, like a $30 battery powered drill at Ace Hardware when it would go on sale every year. And then he'd have to replace it the next year because it would break and like then over and over and over. And so funnily enough, as I've started teaching other people how to do what I do, not just my dad, overcoming that cheap is not actually cheaper mindset has become a constant challenge because like literally multiple times a day, I'll get the question, Hey, how do I get started woodworking? Like, or what, what's a beginner tool that you recommend? And I'm like, a beginner tool is going to be the same tool that I'm going to recommend to someone else, because I want you to be able to learn how to sharpen it and to use it to its fullest. And I want it to be able to actually work the way that you need it to work because so many things in our life now are priced low and it's not actually even the object. It's my friend, Chris Schwartz. He always calls tools that are, that are not tools that work. He calls them tools, tool shaped objects. It's, it looks like the thing, but it doesn't operate the way the thing needs, you need the thing to operate. And so, um, yeah, coming from that scarce or that, that background of scarcity is, is such a hard thing to overcome. But funnily enough, uh, even having come, come through that background, I have now become a staunch advocate for knowing your worth and asking for it. And so when I'm doing business coaching or, or like anything in this whole sphere, homesteaders tend to be the worst because I think they understand having little more than anyone else does. But so they, un- they understand and they want to be good stewards of people's money, but actually in doing that, they're robbing themselves of the opportunity to make a fair income. And they're robbing others of the opportunity to invest in something that's truly of value. Yeah, I agree. And the reason I wanted to kind of start from that point is because a lot of homesteaders want to have a business and maybe it's a full-time business from their homestead. Like maybe their homestead completely is their entire income source. And then there's other people who would like to start a homestead, kind of like a side business, you know, from their homestead where it just brings in like extra income, it's part-time, maybe it's just seasonal, whatnot. But either of those aspects, and sometimes they'll start small and then it, you know, grows into something much bigger. But regardless of that, you have to know how to price things and exactly what you're Mm -hmm. saying. And I see this so often, especially with homemade things. Um, People Mm -hmm. will look at a homemade item that is made with incredible ingredients because that homesteaders, like that's what we're about, especially if you're using the lard from your own pigs from your homestead. For example, if you're making soap, so maybe you're making goat milk soap and you're using the milk from your own goats or you're using lard from your own pigs and maybe it's a combination of both depending upon it, but you're using amazing quality ingredients, but you price it at what someone would pay for a bar of dial soap um, Mm -hmm. because you have that frugal mindset. And because, because you have those assets, you don't really look at them because you're like, Oh, well I have this, you know, extra fat that came off of the pork and we really raised it for the meat where Mm -hmm. you're not looking at like, if someone had to go buy organic pasture raised lard as an ingredient source because they weren't raising their own pig, that's expensive. Yeah. Uh, But we don't look at it as being that valuable, or at least I know I don't, I didn't always, like, I just looked at it as like, almost as like, well, I kind of have this thing almost for free because we were really doing it for the meat. Um, So I, I want to bring that up because I feel like a lot of times people look at their things that they do want to sell 
but they are coming at it from the completely wrong angle for pricing. So I think it's really important uh, that we talk about pricing and I don't feel that we can, especially to homesteaders, which you and I both are, without addressing that mindset aspect first. Absolutely. Well, and there's also the other very, very real thing that unless we start from a place of having a a pretty significant amount of money um, from the outset, very few of us can afford to have a quote unquote hobby farm. So I um, I started farming and all this stuff eight years ago. I, I didn't grow up on a farm. I grew up around farms, but it wasn't something that, you know, that my family did. My parents are missionaries. We spent a lot of my life living in other countries, um, places that we couldn't farm. And for that same reason, we couldn't have animals or anything else. Um, so I started all of this kind of from scratch eight years ago. And that start was literally out of necessity. I was volunteering at a food bank so that I could take home the stuff that they were throwing away so that we had food to eat at home. And I realized, hey, like I could grow some of this stuff in a raised bed in my backyard and offset some of these costs. But even in that, I realized just to get started, just to buy seeds and other things like that, it was so expensive unless you were being super business minded. And that is the one thing about my childhood of scarcity that really started to pay off really quickly. And that's because since I was six years old, I have viewed everything I've done as a possible business which has also been how I've ruined basically everything that I've loved. Uh, but it's, I, I decided from, from the outset, hey, I'm going to, at the very least, make this endeavor pay for itself. And so I found ways um, that, that I've then kept track of so that I can help other people that are getting started uh, as well. Um, I, I've had ways that from the very beginning, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to have this cost but I'm going to offset it in this way. And so at the very least, we want to think of our homesteads as, um, as a zero cost game. And if we can rise above that, or if we, if we have any desire to rise above that, then we also have the, the di- diagnostic tools that we're going to need to be able to um, kind of scale what we're doing. Yeah. As well. Yeah. And I'm with you because it's really funny when I was growing up, we had a garden And my dad raised his own beef because we couldn't afford not to. And so it's been really interesting as an adult watching people come into homesteading. And yes, if you don't have a cow, you have an output cost of one leasing land if you don't own land or renting Mm -hmm. land or working at a bargain with someone else who has land. Because you do have to have land if you're raising something as large as a cow. And then there is the cost of the cow to get started. So, yes, there is upfront costs. but I see a lot of people moving into homestead and it costing them so much money when I'm like you, it's like, that was the way that we survived. Like it had to pay for itself and then some in order for us to do it because it was so that we didn't have to buy it. We didn't have the money to buy the things from the store. And so we didn't have a lot more money to invest obviously into this food source. Um, so I think some of it is that, But I also think like you were talking about when you're looking at it as a business aspect, especially if you're looking to make a profit from something and and something that I see a lot of people make mistakes when they're pricing and not even necessarily homestead products or things from their homestead, any product pricing going into a business is not being fully aware of the true cost to make the item. And so I think that's a great place for us to start. 
uh, because especially if you are looking to sell something from your homestead, be it a physical product that you're making, um, or it could be a, a, you know one of your skills that maybe you're teaching people how to do something because there's you know both those avenues, um, if not more, or maybe it's some of your livestock, you still have to know what your baseline cost is because your pricing has to come from what your expenses are. And if you don't know all your expenses, then there's no way that you can actually create an accurate price. And if you don't know what your profit margin is, you do not have a business and you're not going to stay in business. Absolutely. Well, this is funnily, um, funnily relates to our last podcast episode that we did together, because last time we were talking about time management on the homestead and making more time and things like that. One of the tools that I shared um, in that interview was a, a practice that I've been doing for a really long time. Just to be clear, not all the time, just seasonally when it when I need to kind of recalibrate. Um, but we talked about time tracking, and so for me, in as part of my of my absolute necessity of making use of every single possible moment that I have available to me, um, so that I can homestead and work full time and run my business and all of these other things too. Uh, I started like very early on in my homesteading stuff, carrying around a actual notepad and a, and a pencil and a physical timer. And I would time every activity that I was doing and then take notes about that activity. Like this activity takes me this amount of time. Well, to take that further, this actually also helps us to determine the cost or the value of, of producing anything on the farm because we can then look at all of the little things that we do all day and how all of the, um, I like to call them buckets because I always think about buckets in a barn when it rains, you always, and there's holes in your barn, you put buckets under the holes and some buckets will catch a little bit of water and others will catch a lot of water. Um, but I, I always call our little segments of things that we're spending our time doing buckets. So we'll look at how we're spending, you know, in the morning we go and we open the chicken coop and we get the fermented feed from the lunch that we've prepared the night before and we get it ready to take out to the chickens then we go out to the chicken coop and then we collect the eggs and then we bring the eggs in and we wash the eggs and we put them in their containers and but you might think okay well that makes sense that amount of time we can put into our cost of our eggs that we're selling or whatever but there's also how long did it take to build the chicken coop and what did you use to build it? And how much did that cost? And how about when you bought the chicks? Did you raise them as chicks um, or did you incubate them? Um, how much time did it take you to get the brooder ready for them? How long did you have them in the brooder? How much energy uh, did you pay for to have your um, grow lights on your chicks during that time? How much chick feed did you feed them? All of that stuff ultimately goes into the cost of the first six months of the chicken's life to that day that it lays its first egg. And then, you know, you have to amortize out how many eggs that chicken is going to lay. And then that ends up being kind of your baseline for, for pricing how you sell your eggs. And it ultimately comes down to what it actually costs, not what the market is asking for. Because, and we're going to talk more about this in a little while, but, but you have to know what it costs you to do this thing. Um, because if it costs you, if you, if it costs you more than you're able to sell it for, then you're literally paying to do more work for no reason. 
And I have found myself in that trap multiple times. Thankfully, because of my time tracking, I've been able to catch that before it's cost me too much time or money. Um, but if we find that it's taking us more time to sell or to, to create the product than we can actually sell it for, we then actually have a marketing opportunity. We can start telling that story to our potential customers and maybe seek out a different kind of customer that will value everything that's gone into, hey, we started with chicks. They've had the best life ever. We have done all of these things. Our chickens get checked on six times a day. It, you know, like all these things. And then all of a sudden we have a $12 a dozen, dozen of eggs for the right customer that we have told the right story to. And then we can actually afford to pay ourselves for collecting those eggs. Otherwise, we can do a really hard thing, but that's just to kind of cut our losses with things that are not actually able to pay for our time. Yeah. And I think that is so smart because we have to have data. A lot of times we operate on assumptions. I mean, I do this in all aspects of my life and even homesteading to a degree, but we'll have an assumption in our head on one, how long something takes us. I tend to drastically think I can get way more done in an allotted amount of time than I actually can. I guess mm-hmm. I have an overinflated idea of how productive I really am. It's um, not just you. It's literally everyone. Yeah. And so if you're operating on those assumptions, I mean, and it's even true, like it, with diet, I mean, I know we're talking about business, but even with diet, like if you are trying to hit a certain weight goal, oftentimes we're assuming we're eating a certain amount in, in a day. Hmm. But if we're going off of those assumptions, instead of actually having the data in front of us, like writing down exactly what we are eating in a day, oftentimes reality and our assumptions are quite different. Hence the name assumptions. So But once we have that data, like you're saying, time, cost, and like the true cost analysis of this, not just, you know, this one egg and this one bag of chicken feed for the day, but the whole project of it. Yeah. Once we have that data, then we decide to cut our losses if it's not there. As you said, Um, we learn to tell a different pricing and marketing story or and sometimes it goes (laughs) together. Yeah. We're looking at ways now that we have this data, how can I bring these costs down? Do I get more efficient with my time? Um, if I buy something in bulk, then I get yeah. it a lot cheaper. And so therefore my cost comes down. I mean, there's lots of ways to do it. But if you don't have that data to begin with, you have no idea how to do any of these changes or pivots or whatnot. So really just being really clear on what your true cost is from ingredient cost to time cost, I mean, all of the things I think is really, really key. And oftentimes it's really overlooked when people begin pricing products. Yeah. And let me also just encourage you, gentle listeners, if um, data sounds great, I don't think anyone would argue with the value of budgets or the, the promised value of tracking our time and keeping track of our costs and those kinds of things. But it's not, I mean, every, I, I mean, I am literally the number one person to say, like, that's great. So glad that works for you. Doesn't work for me because I'm not a data person and I'm not, and uh, I am not a data person. I am not one to track, like, I have had to develop habits that are so far against who I am as a person to be able to have the data that can support the businesses that I want to have. Um, and so if you are struggling with that, Uh, A fantastic book to read is called Atomic Habits by James Clear. I highly, highly recommend it. It's just great. Um, And it'll talk to you a little bit about time tracking. It'll talk to you about 
like the psychology behind why things fail. It actually talks about fad diets and New Year's resolutions and why they never work. But for it's a funny thing to be recommending this from a business standpoint, but literally that book has changed my whole life, um, pro- like my business life as well as my personal life. Yeah, no, it's a fabulous book. Same thing. Um, have read the same book. And it's funny because I am not a spreadsheet type of person, data person. Um, I excelled in English and creative writing and reading in school. Big surprise. I know. I detested math. I detested math. And like spreadsheets. I kid you guys not. Uh, two, I've been running my business really as a business since March of 2016. Do you want to know when I did my actual first spreadsheet? I do, because this is fascinating to find out because you guys, Melissa has sent me so many spreadsheets during our friendship. It's not even funny. Like I, the amount of shared Google documents between the two of us is truly fascinating. Hearing this, hearing this bit of information about you. Please. Yes. When was your first spreadsheet? 2020. Oh my gosh. What? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, it, this is like not even, I didn't even know when Excel, like, I didn't know that you could put equations in there to add up cells. Oh <laughs> like, my gosh. I thought you just took a little, your, your calculator, literally, like you just took a calculator and like did the numbers and then wrote the total in the bottom. But the this reason is I'm so precious. Oh my gosh. <laughs> now I feel like a failure as a human being because I have known about and been using spreadsheets a lot longer than that. But like you are already far beyond where I'm at with that. So good for you for, for making that change and making it happen. So that's the reason I think I really preach the data aspect, though, is because, no, it doesn't come to me intuitively. And for those of you that it comes to intuitively, you are probably just dying laughing right now or shaking your head in complete sorrow at this story. But also, please come work for me (laughs) if that's the case. But the reason that I'm saying that data is so important is because once I started fracking it and I had that data, Oh my goodness. Like I was, my decisions were made from educational standpoints and were made with this data and it changed so much. I mean, it changed my pricing. It changed the way I did things. It changed the way I sourced things. There were so many changes that came and still like to this day from having that data and having it in the spreadsheet. And so that's why I like am preaching this because I'm like, oh, if I had realized how important it was and how much it would truly make a difference. And that's kind of the, I don't know about you, but like, if I understand the why behind it, like you can tell me you need to do such and such, but if I don't really understand the why or how it benefits me, I'm like, oh, that's great, but I'm not going to do it until I get it. And so that's why, like, I really think this is so important to bring up because I didn't get it for so long. But now that I've saw the difference that it's made, I'm like, yes, like, this is why we have to do this tedious part because I still feel like it's tedious, but because it makes such a difference for It does. So when we're talking about money, um, there is a, 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 there's so much psychology when we're talking about money, but specifically when we're talking about valuing our time, um, it's not just homesteaders, it's literally everyone. I've talked to, to flooring people, to people who bake pies, to all these things like in my business coaching. And it is a universal thing that people don't understand how long or how much is, how, how much is involved in producing the thing that they are producing and that they need some sort of emotional permission to be okay with charging people money for their time. 
um, especially like entrepreneurs and I would say homesteaders more than more than anyone else probably we start doing this because we love it we we love whether it's we love gardening we love chickens we love animals we love livestock we we love just being outside and working in the sun we start as a passion so then it's a funny thing for us to then be able to ask for money in exchange for that because we're like well this is something that I would be doing in my this would be something I'd be doing anyway. So like, I can't really charge you for it. Or I don't feel like I'm an expert in this. So I can't charge you for this. And that is the, I mean, those two things, not feeling like you are the authority and you can charge or feeling guilty about charging because you understand scarcity um, for whatever reason, um, stop you from giving yourself the emotional permission that you need to charge what you have to charge and having hard numbers in front of you um, is makes that decision process so, so much easier um, because it literally is just like, wow, I had no idea that I was spending this amount of time doing this. I mean, this is why people ask me all the time to, I, I, I build furniture, I carve spoons, I make cheese. People ask me how, um, people ask me to make them cheese. They're like, oh, like, what would it cost for you to make us cheese? And I'm like, the opportunity cost of my time to make cheese would mean that I would sell it for $150 an ounce. I literally calculated it out just so that I could definitively say, because growing up poor, I will say yes to any opportunity. Someone's like, I'll pay you $15 to do that. I'm like, absolutely. Let me stop what I'm doing and do that for you for $15. But you literally cannot do that. If you sit like, as homesteaders, I think probably the most important thing that we could possibly realize is the opportunity cost of our time. Um, saying yes to one thing means that we are saying no to something else. And if we are passive about that, we'll find ourselves running ourselves ragged on our homestead. Like if we're trying to do it as a business, we're going to kill ourselves trying to make our business run and we're going to be running in circles and we're going to lose sight of our sanity, of our happiness and our passions and the whole reason that we got this started in the first place. So having hard data to look at and to be like, okay, this is absolutely not worth my time, or this is absolutely worth my time. Or even like, even on the passion side, I love doing this so much that even though I'm going to make less money doing this thing, I am going to still do it. But that means then that I have to prioritize making time to do this other thing to offset the the time loss or the dollar loss on this other side. Yeah, it, it just helps you make those educated decisions. And like you said, there are some things that you still choose to do, even though they aren't making you money. So it's funny because we're talking about business and we're talking about pricing products so that you obviously are not working at a loss, actually yeah. costing yourself money, giving stuff to people, uh, because you're not actually getting paid enough to make money because you don't know what they are. But there are times, I mean, there's certain things like, quite honestly, um, like the podcast, this podcast, I don't make money off the podcast. I yeah. pay, I pay hosting costs. Um, I pay editing costs. I, you know, I, there's a lot of costs that actually I incur to do the podcast and it doesn't tangibly bring me in money. Mm -hmm. But I love it. I love podcasts and I am passionate about this lifestyle and I do want people to be encouraged and inspired and I want them to learn how to homestead. And so for me, 
it's still worth it to do the podcast. And there are people that discover me on the podcast and then, you know, listen in enough that they decide to buy some of my books or join my membership or buy a course down the road. But I tell you what, there's a whole lot more of them that don't. And I'm totally fine with that. So it's again, yeah, it's knowing. And so it's not all about the money because I don't want anybody listening to this being like, oh, well, you only make all of your decisions based upon if you're making a profit or if you're making money off of it. No, that's not true. But you do have to know and make decisions so that you can make money because quite frankly, we live in a world, whether we not like it or not, that you do have to have money or a way to barter. And maybe you're bartering with your time. Yeah. But you still have to, you have to have that. And so anyways, so I wanted, I wanted to throw that out there. And then I think that the next piece, which you touched on, Anne, and we're going to talk a lot, a, a lot more uh, in the free challenge that we're doing that we're going to invite you guys to, that's going to dive onto this a lot more, but is one is telling a story and it's not like, we're not talking about making up a fabricated fiction, non-true story, Yeah. but, but telling people and inviting them into your world and into your passion, like why you're doing this, like you said, with the chicks and letting them see the whole story so that they understand. Because for those who aren't doing homesteading, now I know that we're talking to homesteaders here, but really for people who are going to be, we'll use the egg customer for an example or the egg business. For people who've never raised backyard chickens, all they think about is going to the store, they grab a carton, you open it to make sure none of the eggs are broken, or at least that's what I always did, that they're not cracked. And then you bring it home. And that's all really the context that they have. Um, And so unless it's somebody who's conscious about health and doesn't realize that if they're just buying the cheapest eggs at the store, they don't realize the deplorable conditions that those chickens are in. The the, the nutritional deficiencies that they have. Yeah, that they're not even getting, yeah, the, the, oh, there's so many, so many things. But those of you who are homesters, like, you know this, and that's why you're raising your own eggs to begin with. And you care about pasture raised and free range or in chicken tractors where they're getting moved to fresh pasture every day. And you know the difference between a farm egg that has that deep orange, lovely yolk versus the pale anemic thing from the factory farm raised store eggs that I don't even know how people eat now having the difference. But (laughs) that's the story that you tell, which is a true story. A true story, but it's educating people and it's making them aware of where they weren't aware of it before. And then some of those people, as they learn this as your storytelling, then they see the value that's there because they also see the work and they didn't know that before. They didn't know any difference. And so it's education in the story. And it's also just sharing, you know, some of the the details. Um, And there'll be curiosity because people who've never raised chickens before are like, oh, I don't know what all of this entails. And there'll be that curiosity factor, but you're telling that story. But in telling that story, you're also finding the market of people who care about this and who value their own health and time, even if they aren't going to put that in and raise their own chickens. And so you're finding your target market. And that is the key with pricing as well is finding the price for your target market because the person who is going to Walmart to buy the absolute most cheapest egg that they can, that is not the homesteader's target market. And so we we need to understand that from the get-go. And that's something we're going to go into a lot more depth because there's way more to that than that just brief encapsulation. But once you understand that, then it helps you determine your pricing after you've taken those data steps and then understanding that process. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
Do you have that, any thoughts? Um, on? <laughs> that you, you said it really well. I mean, funnily enough, um, it, for me with my business and where I've, re- I've brought my business to now, it doesn't actually make any sense financially for me to do any of my farming that I do as a business venture. But for me, I mean, I, I use this example when I'm talking to coaching clients all the time. Like we have to, I mean, we only get one life, right? Our, our time is an opportunity cost. I say this all the time. Every yes that you say to something, even if it's a passive yes, you're saying no to something else. And for me, I wanted to homestead. and I wanted to have my own business so that my time was my own. Um, I wanted to be able to afford because whether like, as you were saying earlier, in today's day and age, you have to have something of value that you can trade uh, for the things that you need to survive, whether that's you're bartering your time. I mean, really going to work and getting a paycheck is bartering your time for the money that you need to offset the cost of not spending all your time homesteading, <laughs> really, when it comes yeah. down to it. Um, but for me, uh, my business is at a place that every single moment that I don't spend doing things that are earning enough money to pay all my employees and make all of my things happen um, is technically lost money. But I literally did all this so that I could homestead. And there is some, and, and there's something to, even though I'm making less money doing this thing, I know that it's making money. It's not losing me money, but I can afford to spend this time doing this thing that I love. But the minute that I stop loving it, I can look at the data and be like, I don't have to do that anymore. I'm not going to torture myself. There is nothing about homesteading that we should be doing just because other homesteaders do it and we have to do it. Uh, Like, actually, funnily enough, I hate chicken. Let's just say that out loud. It's okay. Everyone listening, you can um, delete me on social media. It's fine. At Annabelle Trades, if you want to go ahead and click that block button. Um, I have chickens and my chickens have the best life possible, but they have a very specific job on the farm. And the only reason that I have chickens right now instead of ducks or geese, which I prefer, um, is because during the pandemic, I wasn't able to get those things. And I was able to get this group of chickens from our Amish neighbors and I, and they are great, but like chickens are disgusting. They, they, they are, they burn the earth that they walk upon. Um, but they also do a whole bunch of things for my homestead. And so really I looked at it hard and long. Um, what is a way that I could make these chickens earn their keep. Uh, and does it make sense for me to have an egg business um, where I'm selling $7 a dozen eggs? No, not really. But I sell all of my eggs to a very specific market at a high dollar value. And it requires almost none of my time or investment. And the chickens are doing something really important for something that I actually want to do, which is uh, raising beef. They, they help with the ticks and the, the flies and they help improve our land. And therefore, it's okay. Even though I like despise those little dinosaurs, they, they do what they need to do. And I get great eggs for myself and for my community. And I have something that I can share. But if we're looking at the dollar value of the time, it is not worth it at all um, compared to other things I could be doing. But it facilitates something that I do like doing. And that has been so important to prioritize in this process. Um, but I, that was a tangent. Oops. Uh, here we are back on track. Uh, our dollars or our time is is something that we it is it literally our time becomes our dollars or our dollars become our time. No matter how you look at it, that's that's what it is. 
And in today's society, there's really no way, no getting around that except in pretty extreme situations. I love bartering. I do that all the time. In fact, the eggs are a huge, are part of a larger barter that I don't have time to get into. But what we are doing when we're spending money is we are, we are, we are paying to have a problem solved. So even as we're looking at the psychology of pricing for our, um, our products or our services or anything for our businesses, if we are able to define very clearly the problem that we are solving with our business, our product or service, then we should, we can um, become totally unencumbered by the dollars and cents of it because every single other person on this planet is trading every single dollar or every single moment of their time for one problem or another to be solved. When we pay our, um, our rent or our mortgage, we are paying for the problem of not having a roof over our head to be solved. So we will go to work or we will you know, do whatever we have to do to be able to get the dollars to pay for that roof to be over our head. That solves that problem for us. Um, if we are, if, if someone's buying eggs from me, they are paying me to solve their problem of having, of not having enough time or not having like, or really having the mental stability to not have chickens. They're paying for that privilege. And I am giving them the privilege of having delicious farm fresh, fresh pasture raised, healthy eggs. So all of these things, if we can define what problem we are solving for people, then it actually becomes way easier to ask for their money. Because if we promise a solution and we deliver on that solution, it is worth so much money. I mean, obviously, different problems are worth differing amounts of money. But as homesteaders, we are solving a lot of problems. And we're taking our time to do those things on behalf of other people that don't have the time the, the land or the knowledge or the understanding to do those things. And so we really just, again, it comes down to marketing and storytelling. If we need to tell the right stories uh, to the right people, well, really telling the right stories is going to naturally attract the right people is kind of how it happens. It's, it's, there's a little magic in there. And we'll talk more about that in our course that we're offering. But um, yeah, telling, telling the right story to the right people basically means that you can, you can like ask for whatever price makes sense. And then you don't have to feel guilty about it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think the beautiful thing is, honestly, because I worked a day job. So I was a pharmacy tech for 18 years, um, right when I graduated from high school and I got married, actually, um, all at 18. And that's what I started uh, two weeks before I got married. I started working at the local pharmacy in our little town and then became a pharmacy tech and worked at two pharmacies in two different towns, both local to us. Um, for 18 years and nothing wrong with that job whatsoever. However, by the end of it, and I think it would be any job, (laughs) I hated it. I dreaded the days that I had to go to work. And I don't mean just like, you know, we've all had jobs. Like I've had a lot of jobs. Uh, Most of my life, I've worked two or three jobs at one time. Uh, having a good work ethic is never something I have struggled with. However, there's jobs where you're like, oh man, I just don't want to go to work today. Or it's like the end of the week, or there's a project going on at work, or you've got this customer who is just a stinker butt that comes in all the time. I mean, all of us know what that means. That There's rarely a job that you love. And, and even with homesteading, working for myself now, there's certain jobs that I don't love as much as others, like Anne's talking about with the chickens, for example. But I really got to the point where I really 
hated going in to work. And the main, I mean, there's a lot of factors. One, I was leaving my kids. I was leaving the homestead. I was leaving this business, which was my passion and my love. Mm-hmm. But really, it was the freedom aspect. If I, if the cows got out and my husband was already at work and I needed to be to work at a certain time, like, what do I do? I either have to, to try to call in late or I can't leave my cows out. So then yeah. I'm torn, you know, or my kids have a field trip, um, but I can't get the day off of work. So, you know, what do I pick? I mean, yes, having money in my pocket to put a roof over their heads, that is a big need. But there's also that need of not being able to be there for certain events in their life that I really want. And I know that we all struggle with that. So for me, it really came down to, and I think this is really true for homesteaders, like let's look at homesteaders and entrepreneurs. We don't like being told what to do by someone else. We don't mind doing the work because if you're a homesteader, then by golly, you know how to work. (laughs) You know how to work. You know how to work. And if you're an entrepreneur who's successful at all, you know how to work. And honestly, if you're an entrepreneur who's not successful, you still probably know how to work. You just don't have quite all the pieces you need yet to make it work. Yeah. But we Which, want the- by the way, is another thing that we're going to be hopefully helping. We, we kind of yeah. sussed out the 10 problems that every homesteader slash entrepreneur has, have at least a few tips on how to, how we've solved those for various things in the past when in, in the challenge that we're offering. Yeah. So I really wanted freedom. I wanted the freedom to yeah. be like, I am going to work hard. But this is when I'm working hard. And if I need to do this with my kid right now, then I know I can just get up earlier in the morning and do it. I can shift things around. Everything will still get done. But I have the freedom to do. The flexibility, yeah. Yes, yeah. So I'm actually not sure how that tied in. But once I got going, man, I was passionate and excited about it. I know where I was going with it. Sorry, guys. I get so excited. I'm like, squirrel brain. But I, I want that for everybody. I want that for hosts. Yeah. And I didn't realize that I could have had it so much earlier and that it was truly a possibility for me. And that's not just someone selling you marketing. I'm making air quotes. If you're not watching the video, <laughs> recording this, like it's not someone selling you a dream. It is a true possibility. And I honestly yeah. think everybody, maybe they're not a full-time entrepreneur, but there's definitely a way they can bring extra income into their life that can lead to that. Um, I truly believe that's possible for everyone but not everyone knows that or believes it yet. So, or even knows how, I mean, really, I think for most people, it's not, it's not even, they don't believe it's a possibility. It's just that they don't, they don't know how to connect the dots to make it a possibility for them. And that is, I mean, that can be crippling because I mean, so many people, like if you're looking at, if you're starting homesteading because you're inspired by someone on social media, chances are that person on social media had like, some bankroll behind the scenes that you don't see and they're doing things in a certain way that like, if you don't know any better, it seems like the only way. And then you're spending, 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 spending to do all of these things that you think that you have to do. You're doing all of these extra things that you think that you should do, but you don't actually need to be doing. There's a lot to that. Learning how to be frugal and learning how to get the same results for less. I mean, really, gosh, wow, we're just data hounds. But really understanding where all of your dollars are going and figuring out ways that you can do it more cheaply or offset that cost with with some sort of income is yeah. is basically the ticket to all that. Because really with homesteading, we're offsetting the costs that we would be incurring el- elsewhere. But if we're not careful, we can actually incur even more costs trying to get there. If you're buying you know, if you're planting a huge garden and the only way you know how to get seeds is buying these little like $6 heirloom seed packets 
I mean, even this, that gets expensive. Plus, if you're trying to like buy the compost tea that someone's telling you, you'll have to have instead of learning the behind the scenes stuff that about how to make your own compost or like whatever it is, there's so many things that, that you're constantly being sold things and uh, l- learning how to kind of weed through that and, and see what you actually need and suss that out. And at the very least, offset your costs is, is huge. I lost where I was going with that, but here we are wherever we are now. <laughs> we are. Well, on that note, we've actually been talking for a very long time. And as you can tell, Anna and I are really uh, passionate and excited about this topic. And we would love if this is something, if you are either like, yes, I kind of started a homestead business, but I'm, you know, my product isn't moving like I would want, or I'm having trouble knowing how to position it or how to like do some selling on social media or, or I how have, to start. I haven't, start, I haven't I have been an idea. able to start. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have an idea of stuff I want to do and some things I'd like to earn money off of, but I'm not sure where to start, how to get going with it. Then we would love to invite you to our three free day challenge. We're going to be hosting it, the both of us together. So hopefully you enjoyed us together because you're going to get more of us if you sign up for it. Um, But it's completely free. It's going to start June 22nd. It'll go for three days, obviously June 22nd, which is a Tuesday that Wednesday and Thursday, three days in a row, we're going to be doing live masterclass trainings. Um, There will be replays because I know some of you still have day jobs, right? And we talked about that freedom and flexibility. Um, So you may not be able to have that uh, to join us at the lifetime, but you'll be able to watch them. However, you do have to register in order to get the invite to come and join us and to get those replay links. So wait, Melissa, what are we teaching about though? Oh, you want those important details? I mean, it might be helpful. You don't want to just come hang out with us for anything? Yes. That I mean, you should want to do that, but it's yes. Fine. Okay. Yes. Tell us. Yes. So it is the three day sales challenge where you are going to learn in three days. Yes. How to sell effectively on social media without a website or an email list or a sales page or a like, what are we, what are all the things that we've been writing recently? What are those that a marketing campaign without all, like, if you have an idea of something that you want to sell, or if you ideally even already have something that you would like to sell, and you need a little bit of a push on how it is that you actually get started marketing it, or even literally how you make your first sale and feel okay about it. That's what we're going to be talking about in this challenge. And we would love to have you there. Yes. So the link is in the description of the podcast Perfect. or you can type it in and it is melissakadoris.com forward slash business challenge melissakadoris.com forward slash business challenge you're going to pop in your name and email and then you're going to join us for a wonderful three days of challenge and master training so we hope to see you there it's going to be a lot of fun and there may be some extra bonus stuff we'll just leave it at that Yes. Awesome. Well, Melissa, my gosh, we always have so much fun when we talk. Well, at least I do. Same here. Um, Good, good, good. Thank you so much for having me. And I am so excited to get this started with you. Yeah, same here. Thanks, guys. We hope to see you. Bye. Now for our verse of the week, I'm going to be sharing from Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11. Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Now, I thought it appropriate to share a verse about money because we have been talking 
about earning an income and the way that we look at money and the way that we spend our time and just a lot of things, quite frankly, in this episode that revolve around money. And I find it interesting because oftentimes money is like this taboo thing that we don't talk about. People become affronted if they are mentioned anything about tithing, which I am not telling you one way to tithe or another. Um, the Bible it speaks about tithing, but I find it interesting to see people's reactions when it comes to tithing and when it comes to money. Um, it's been really interesting because in this online world that I have been in and I share a lot of free stuff. I mean, obviously you're listening to this podcast episode and it is free for you to listen to. I do it almost every single week. I have a brand new podcast episode. I have a brand new YouTube that goes out weekly and there is a plethora of blog posts with recipes and step-by-step tutorials. I send out emails every week that have information in them. I give away a lot of free stuff. But despite that, when I do share something that I do have for sale, maybe it's my books, maybe it's when the membership is open, or perhaps it's one of my individual courses, it always amazes me. In fact, my family and I have started creating and selling handmade wooden bowl scrapers as well as bench scrapers. And we also make the wood butter that we use to condition not only those wood products, but I use it on my butcher block countertop on our island. I use it on my cutting boards, any of my other wooden spoons and my wooden tools. And I had people ask if we would offer that for sale. So can you make your own? Yeah, you absolutely can. And I'm actually planning on shooting a video of that on how to make what we sell, giving you my exact recipe and ratios if someone wants to make it themselves for free. But what I found really interesting is I shared that video in a video that I did, which was how to take care of wood products and so that they last for generations and for years, how to take care of them properly, as well as how to choose wood products that are made from wood that will last. So a lot of free content, educational how-to showing you. And then I said, if you want to get the wood butter that we make, I do offer it for sale. I have a small amount. You can click this link and go and decide if you want to buy it or not. Oh my goodness. One, I had a lot of people who did purchase and who actually said, thank you. I've learned so much from you. And my daughter's the one that is packaging and shipping all of the stuff. And she's only 12, like it's a family affair. And I had so many wonderful responses from people. But I also got comments where people told me they were unsubscribing from my channel because I had offered to sell the wood butter. I, I was just flabbergasted. I'm like, wait a minute, you're watching a free video right now. And it just says if you want to buy the one that we make that you can go and do it here. Otherwise, you had a completely free video. You said you liked all of my other videos that were for free, but because I offered something for sale, you're going to unsubscribe for everything, which honestly, I'm kind of like, well, if that's the way you feel, then obviously like go in and unsubscribe. But I just kind of had to scratch my head. I'm like, well, if you like everything, like just because I offered something for sale, like why would you unsubscribe when you still got all the information for free? I really don't understand it. But 
the whole reason that I shared that story with you is when you bring up money, people can get really funny. But (laughs) there is nothing wrong with whoever gathers money little by little and makes it grow. And that has definitely been a testament of my life and the way that my husband have gotten out of debt and are living debt free was by taking the little money that we had and my friends when we were first married for many many years it was a little amount of money but we have been able to make it grow and a lot of what I've learned in being able to make that grow is the stuff that Ann and I are going to be sharing in that free day challenge that I hope that you guys come and join us for, which is free. That I just wanted to share that because I think that oftentimes, obviously there's also another Bible verse that says the love of money is the sin of all evil. Not money itself, the love of money and having a disproportionate relationship about money and with money is the cause of a lot of strife. But when we look at it as it is simply a tool and something that we can choose to be a good steward of and use what the Lord has given us in order to multiply that in order to serve others and continue to be a good steward. It is not a bad thing at all. So it has taken me a while to be able to see that. Um, And so I just wanted to share that with you. And I hope that I get to see you in the free training. And if not, if Running a homestead business is not something that you're interested in. Just completely fine if it's not. I will be back here with you next week with a brand new episode. So blessing and mason jars for now, my friend. Mm-hmm.